Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. You see, God has magnificent plans for you, church. And I have come here this morning to give you three gifts, or actually to bring you three gifts that God has for you. Are you excited about that? Those three gifts are here, as you can see. But before we get there, let's just pray. Amen? Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you because you are our God. We thank you for the love that you have for us. Lord, we pray that your word this morning stirs us, touches our heart in the deepest of our soul. Lord, I pray that your word does the work that it came for. Lord, help us, help me, that it is all about you and nothing about me. Lord, I pray that your name will be glorified. Amen. 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 As I said, I have brought three gifts with me. This one is the most powerful one of those three. The second gift I have, as you can see in size, is the biggest of them all. And the third one that I have is actually the rarest of them all. Who wants to know what's in these boxes? That was no good. (laughs) All right. Who wants to know what's in those boxes? That's better. That's better. Now, before we go there, is it okay if I share with you some insider stories of my childhood back at that time in Germany and some of them in Italy? Are you okay with that? All right. So when when we were kids, my brother and I in that time, and uh, we used to always have this tradition that every Sunday afternoon we would visit someone. And it was always custom and culture in the Italian families that if you would go somewhere, you would bring gifts. And this is what I did today. I brought you gifts. Now, as we would go every Sunday to visit friends and family, we would bring gifts. And the first thing that would happen when we would rock up as a family to another family and we had some gifts for them, or sometimes cake, or sometimes flowers, or whatever. Now, the first response was, here you go, we just thought to bring you something. And the gifts were always handed out to the mom of, uh, of the family. And the response was always the same. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. Oh, there was no need for that. Who has ever heard that sentence? Yeah, good. So, this was always the classic response. But every time people would come to our place and they would bring cakes or they would bring something to eat with them, my brother and I, every time people came and we were sitting on the couch, my father used to look at us and we knew that we could not go for it. So if there was a cake, it meant all the adults had to be served first, and we had to wait till the very end. So I'm thinking, 
Dad, they are bringing these things for us. Why can't we go for it? And his response was, well, son, we have all that we need at home. We don't want to give the impression that we are poor and that we have never seen a cake. <laughs> but this morning, church, I have brought you gifts, and they are heavenly gifts, not from me, but from God your Father, from God my Father, from God our Father. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. So I don't want you to hold back. I want you to storm for these gifts. I want you to grab them. I want you to get hold of them. And I want you to not let them go. We are not in the business of, we don't want to look poor. Because we are not. Because our Father that loves us has given us all that we need. Amen. Can I get an amen for that? Can anyone get excited about that? So the first one. Shall we open it? Yes. Not now. No. <laughs> First one. Can you read it? Power. We have received and we have been given power. I said before, this is one of the most powerful ones. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes I have the impression that when we got saved, we have taken the gift and we have held it in our hands for a while because it was a gift and we were all excited about it. And as time passed, We have laid that gift down and we have put it on a shelf. And when anyone that doesn't know Jesus comes along, we go, oh, look at this. That's a great gift. It's power. And my question to us all today is, are we using that power that we have been given second gift it's the biggest of them all which is love we have been given love and my question is do we know why we have been given love which is the biggest of them all by the way as we were saying before are you with me so maybe, let's put it in here. And hopefully, it won't fall. Power. <laughs> that's what I thought. Power, love. And that's the rarest of them all. It's just like a diamond sitting somewhere to be taken by all of us. Self-discipline. It's not easy. And that's why I said it's the rarest of them all. But self-discipline is needed to be able to endeavor every situation of our lives. 
Amen? And because we are a Bible-believing church, let's just go to the Bible. Are you with me? So let's read 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 in the NLT. And let's see what God says about those gifts. Amen? For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. You see, the spirit of fear is not a God-given gift. And it doesn't come from God. It's from somebody else. But the gifts that God has given us are those three. Power, love, and self-discipline. Let me read to you something that I found out about power. Are you okay with that? The word power is found 57 times in the New Testament. It's a word employed to describe God, the most powerful force in the universe. It is a word used to describe the most powerful event that ever happened, and an event that separated A.D. from B.C., the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? The word power can also be used to describe God's people. And God's people is who? Yes, we are God's people. And we are carrying the power that God has given us. And the question is, what are we doing with that power? You remember the beginning, church, I said, I'm going to stir you. I'm going to push you. Because I know what's behind all that. When we as Christians realize the power that we have received in Jesus, there is nothing that we are not able to do. And it's not me saying it, but it's the Bible that says it. And we'll get to that in a second. The word power is used 57 times. You see, my dad used to tell me this. When you hear one thing once, you can have the luxury to ignore it. When you hear that same thing twice, start listening carefully. And if you hear that same thing three times, then you better do what you're hearing. Now, 57 times, it's a bit bigger than three times, isn't it? Which means that God is onto something. The word power in the New Testament has shaken and shaped the whole New Testament. Because this was the the measure that God has shown in the New Testament, who He is. Miracles through Jesus and the disciples and all those who followed. Are you with me? The day of Pentecost. What happened there? A manifestation of power came upon those people. And what happened? 3,000. Not just one. Which means if we act 
with what we have been given, this place will never be the same again. I tell you what, church, that mezzanine won't, won't be enough. Because you will have to expand much more than that. But we need to make room for that power. Are you with me? Feels a bit alone up here. We need to grab that gift that God has given us, which is power. You see, one of the most outrageous attributes of God is that although He is all-powerful, He has decided to give us a piece of Himself unto us. Can we think about that for a moment? The Almighty God, the all-powerful One, has given us power. And the question is, power for what? Why do we need power? John 14, 12 says that when Jesus speaking, and he said to his disciples that those who believe in me they will do what? Greater things than me. Miracles through wonder-working power for those who serve and follow Jesus. Are you with me? Can anyone get excited about that? You see, the power has not been just given to be taken and carried a bit along in my initial Christian life. And then, when I haven't bored about it, I will just leave it on the shelf. That power is there for us every day. Because the times will come, church. The times will come when we will doubt. When we will be finding ourselves in situations that we don't know what to do. When sickness will come. When hardship will come. When financial trouble will come. But we have been given a tool which is called power in the name of Jesus. And we can't just sit there and stay still. But we need to get excited about that. Because that power will allow us to do even greater things. When sickness comes, we will be able to stand and say, In the name of Jesus, be healed. There was a guy weeks ago in, uh, uh, in Europe, in uh, Belgium. And the doctors had told him that he had a very rare sickness, which was a sort of a, well, it was a cancer, but a very rare cancer, which is like a skin cancer on the inside. And they had given him not long time to live. The doctor actually told him, hey, I can give you medication, but... It won't heal you. It won't save you. It will only help you to manage your pain. And when I was speaking to this man, he, he, he was lost. He didn't know what to do. He said, I have three kids. I am married. What can I do? And I said, I know what we can do. We can pray. Because I know that in the name of Jesus, everything can be changed. Everything can be transformed. And I know that the doctors told you that you will die, but I can tell you, you will live. Yeah. 
So we laid hands on him and we prayed and we told the cancer to go in the name of Jesus. We claimed this power that has been given unto us. And you know what? He went to the doctors only few week, only uh, one week ago. And I got the text where it said, Armando, you know what? The doctor fell from his chair. He could not believe it. The cancer is gone. The cancer is gone. There is no trace whatsoever. The doctors actually want to put him on the magazine where all the doctors can read about his report because they don't know what happened to him. And he said, I know what happened to me. I have got healed. I have been healed. You see, that power, church, is for us. You have been given power. Power to perform miracles. Power to stand in the storm. Power that enables us to do even greater things. Amen? Oh, man, I get fired up. Power. It's like putting your finger in the electricity socket. Power! But that's good power. Good power. Good power to stand in the times of trouble. Power to perform miracles. Power to cast out demons. You see, we have an enemy church. And that enemy does not stand still. And this will be the signs that will follow those who believe in me. You will cast out demons. You will heal the sick. These are all promises for you and me. But you know what, church? Sometimes I wonder. I wonder why the enemy has so much space and hold in our society. And can it be? Because we are not exercising that power that we have received. Can that be? I'm not too sure. But we have been given power to exercise and to let people see who is our God. I mean, we can come to church, we can sing it, we can believe it, but unless we exercise it, it will just be a gift on a shelf. It will just be a gift on the shelf. And maybe you're listening to me and you're saying, yeah, all good for you, Armando. You have seen miracles. You have done this. You have done that. But what's about me? I'm going through trouble. My family's breaking down. My relationships are gone. I have no money left. I cannot fulfill the dreams because everything is gone. Well, I have good news for you. Because when the thief comes to grub, to kill and destroy, you have been given the authority to stay, stand firm and say, no more. Because in the name of Jesus, I can do more. Are you with me? You can do it, church. You have been given the authority and the power which comes directly from the throne of God, which comes directly from Him. Not from me, not from Pastor Ben, but directly from God. We just need to hold on to it, grab it. We need 
to recharge and go again. Just turn to your neighbor and say, hey, mate, recharge and go again. A bit more of enthusiasm in this place. You've been given a marvelous gift. Yeah, recharge and go again. <laughs> hey, recharge and go again. You see, encouragement does 50% of the work. Now, when I used to compete in athletics at school, man, if there was no one standing on that line telling me, come on, Armando, you can do it. Run, run. I would have gone, yeah, I'm tired. I can't anymore. Oh, why am I doing this? Why am I dragging myself along this? But because there was someone telling me, come on, you can do it. You know what would happen? I would run faster and faster and then drop dead at the finish line. <laughs> but sometimes I would even win. Recharge and go again. Are you with me, church? Now, wow, I spent too much time on this one. <laughs> now, we are talking about power. Who wants power? Who wants power? Here you go. You got power. Now you, can, now you have to use it. Love. Second one. It's the biggest of them all. That's a big one. Love. You know what? The Bible speaks so much about love. And uh, one of the biggest manifestations of love, we all know it. It's John 3.16. Are you with me? Yeah. So John 3.16, God has so much loved the world that He has given His only Son. Or like in the old versions, His only begotten Son. Which I always find it interesting to go and read those old versions. Because now we are all about the new versions and we need to understand it more. But you know what? Sometimes those old versions, man, they have little and big gems in there that we can learn from. I get it all, NLT and the Message Bible. And but love, it's undisputable. The Bible says that God is love. Are you with me? God is love. And He has given us Himself for us. You see, the Bible, actually the Apostle Paul explains in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, in the first chapter, it actually gives a brief definition of someone which does not have love. And 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 1 says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become like a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And then he goes on and says, but without love, we are nothing. In other words, if we don't have love, we do not exist. And I'm thinking, wow. Wow. But let me go deeper. So if I don't have love, we don't exist. And because God is love, we need God to exist. And you see, the majority of our society out there, 
They want to exist, but they want to exist without God, which is actually not possible. So the existing or the existence without God, it's an illusion. You cannot exist without God. You cannot live the way God has intended it without Him. Because the Bible says that without Him, we can't do nothing. And we need Him for our existence. Love is essential for our existence. And since God is love, God is vital for our existence. Why do we need love? We need love to have a relationship with our Creator. Because we cannot have a relationship with someone if we don't love them. Because it's not a relationship. It's playing relationship. So God has given us Himself so that we can have a relationship with Him. Because the first relationship that we need to get right, it's this one. Between us and God. If this one is not working, the one from here to the others won't work. Because the reality is, church, we are not able to love without God. We can pretend, we can play, but it won't be real. So we need a relationship with God first before we can engage into a relationship with others. Are you with me? You see, we need God when we need His love to love Him, but we need also God to be able to love ourselves. How about that? You see, you would think that it is natural to love, um, to love self, but actually it is not, because statistics show us that the majority of suicides here in Australia are committed by teenagers and people up to 25 years of age. And the majority of those suicides happen for the lack of loving self. For the lack of believing in itself. Now, I'm not talking about being narcissistic or somewhat. Because that's not love. But love is actually realizing who you are and thanking God for who you are. Because sometimes we will have moments in which we will doubt. Sometimes we will look at us and go, oh, I don't look good enough. Says who? Says who? Sometimes we listen too much to the standards of the world instead of listening to what the Bible says. Let me give you a key. When you have a bad day and you look in the mirror and you think you're not good enough, just remember what the Bible says. Psalm 139 says, I have been wonderfully made. Don't listen to what the world says and don't follow those standards either because that's not what God thinks about you. God loves you as you are. And the last gift, self-discipline. But before I go there, who wants love? Here you go. Love. Love for you. Love is in the air. Maybe. 
self-discipline, the rarest of them all. See, my wife, she likes diamonds, and she likes them more when they are rare. I like those ones. If I can get that, if I can get that. Self-discipline. You see, self-discipline is best defined as the ability to regulate one's conduct by principle and sound of judgment rather than by impulse, desire, and social customs. But can I, can I read to you what the Bible describes under self-discipline? Self-discipline may be summarized in one word. Obedience to God. You see, we need self-discipline, church, to be able to look at the world, to look at whatever surrounds us, and go through all the endeavors of life. Because we have been called to reflect Christ. But if we don't have self-discipline, we won't be able to reflect Christ. The Bible says, or John the Baptist used to say, that he needs to increase and I need to decrease. And we can only do this with self-discipline. Amen? It's the rarest of them all, I know. And maybe the, rare, the, the hardest to put into practice. But let me tell you this. If we manage, if we manage to get this done, we will run like never before. You see, Paul used to say, I have run the race. He didn't say, well, I have walked the, the race. I have, um, yeah, I have enjoyed that little race. I have run. And we can only run when this is present. And today, church, I have two final questions. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you would want to have those three gifts. And I can tell you what. I can tell you that those three are for you. And you can get them if you accept Jesus as your personal Savior. And as we are just simply here in the presence of God, I just want to encourage you that if you don't know Jesus, just do all you can to get to know Jesus. In fact, I will give you the opportunity to accept Him as uh, your personal Savior if you don't know Him. And the only thing you will need to do after I count three, it's just simply to raise your hand and say, Yes, Armando, I want, to, I want to know Jesus. I want to make Him my personal Savior today. I want to receive those gifts. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.